Hey everyone, welcome to my brand new podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This is Delwyn Keysberry, and you are listening to Conversations with me, Delwyn Keysberry. In today's episode, you will hear the conversation that I had with a friend of mine. Her name is Jennifer Tan, and she is based in Singapore. You might know her as Practice with Jen on Instagram. We discuss and explore and exchange our experiences on the topics of mindsets and mindfulness. And now, we speak about these topics through the lens of our personal lives, our professional careers, and also our experiences as athletes. So folks, enjoy this podcast. It runs for nearly a full hour, and you'll hear from me again at the very tail end of this podcast. Enjoy! Well, nice to um, meet you for the first time. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Yeah, it's nice to meet you properly. Yeah, so you're in the yoga studio right now. Is that correct? I am. I'm at Terra Luna Yoga uh, here in Singapore. Uh, Dewi has very kindly let me use the space. Okay, and I you're in be- somewhere quiet. You're in between mm-hmm. classes as well? Uh, I'm not actually teaching, but okay. there will be a class later this evening. Okay, yeah. sure. All right, so for everyone else who is uh, joining us right now, and just adjust my screen as well, so you see a little bit of my, my nice hair. <laughs> Not that I'm vain or anything. Um, so <laughs> no, for everyone, who's, yeah. everyone who is joining us right now, um, just to give you a little bit of context, I have never met Jennifer in real time. Um, however, if, if I kind of trace back to when I first met Jen, or rather uh, met her online, we're talking about um, seven years ago, Jen, I think. So, yeah, so yeah. once upon a Possibly time, possibly longer. Yeah. yeah. So once upon a time, uh, Jennifer used to coordinate the media team for CrossFit in Asia. Jen. Yeah, correct. I was the regional media director for CrossFit in Asia when Asia was sort of its solo region, mm. uh, and I worked on the Asia regionals for about three years. Yeah. 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 So I think back then there was uh, a call up for like articles, and so I kind of threw my name in the hat. I submitted an article, and that's when. Jen and I first got connected, um, and I know my, mm-hmm. my brother's watching, and he just said you must meet yeah, Jen. <laughs> so my, my brother kind of um, you know side sidebar here. So he kind of went all in. He went to was it uh, CrossFit Korea or something? I think from memory. Yeah. And then yeah, so my the brother regionals was, were in Seoul. Yeah. So so he was he was part of your team. <laughs> a small world. That's right. He yeah. was awesome. Yeah, I had a really great team. Actually, I had a lot of good people in that team. Yeah. yeah. And I'm seeing just from those who are joining, uh, joined in, uh, a lot of um, kind of CrossFit buddies from back in Brunei, and yeah, some of I them you might even recognize, Jen. My boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, do you still CrossFit, Jen, or you've kind of taken a step back, or? Yeah, taken a step back for sure. Mm. Um, when I started getting a little more serious about going into teaching yoga, um, I really had to make a choice. I could only dedicate time and resources to one or the other. Sure. I think you're probably familiar with general costing for attending either a CrossFit box or a sure. yoga studio. Um, it can fare on the expensive side. And yeah. so knowing that I was going through my teacher training, um, I moved away from CrossFit a little bit. Yep. Um, but because I have coached in that program and because I trained for quite some time mm. um, with that methodology, even if I'm working out by myself, I still apply a lot of that philosophy and I still have my toes in some of the boxes because I'm teaching yoga there now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. I, similar to you, I was once upon a time kind of fully into <laughs> the whole CrossFit thing as well. 
I've also mm-hmm. taken a step back. While I still kind of practice the same philosophies and disciplines, I don't go to a box per se. Um, there's a gym mm-hmm. right next to my kids' school where I just train with a few others and we kind of borrow some of the, the workouts and all that as well. But yeah, look, so in case all of us, all of you are wondering where this connection and how this all came about, mm. um, that's how <laughs> I know Jen. But as I've been doing this weekly IG Live um, conversation for about um, five about six weeks running now. Um, every week I try and invite someone with an interesting uh, point of view, an inter- interesting story or a bit of a, a thought leader in their space. And I wanted to tackle this, um, this space around mindfulness and mindsets. And so I thought about who would I know and, and so I, th- I immediately thought about you, Jen. Uh, I know mm-hmm. that just from following your social media journey as well, you do quite a few videos around mindfulness, around yoga. Uh, so we'll be exploring all those things today. Great. Sounds yeah. good. Um, just so that I'm aware, how much time do you have, Jen? Uh, the next class here is at 6.30, um, but I'd probably like to be able to clear the space just a little before that. So 40, <laughs> 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I try and keep just this so to about 30 compress. minutes anyway, just to kind of keep it nice Great. and tight. Um, but we'll, we'll see how we go, because I think there, there are quite a few questions which came through as well. So we'll save those okay, questions for the, for the very end. Um, So Jen, so let's kind of lay the foundation. Um, (laughs) Over to you, what is mindfulness? Okay, Um, so when we decided that we were going to have this conversation, Mm. I actually had to ask myself, uh, what is my take on it? Mm. And I just want to make a little disclaimer here that I'm just sharing my experiences and my understanding of these concepts. Sure. Um, I in no way consider myself an expert in the field. There are Mm. people who have been studying this for decades Mm. and they still probably wouldn't say they're an expert in the field. Um, But I do feel I have um, dabbled and explored enough to be able to share um, what I've learned so far. So if we're thinking of mindfulness, then to me, it's about being aware of what's happening right now. So noticing and observing the present moment and trying to do that without passing judgment mm-hmm. um, would be sort of my elevator pitch for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, we go, if we go a little bit deeper, I mean, so I am, I don't know much about mindfulness full stop. I've read about it. I, I think I sometimes practice mindfulness, I think. Um, oh. But like, for example, so to your definition, just to be kind of present in a moment, so right now mm. I can feel the cold. <laughs> I can feel mm-hmm. um, the, a little bit of a breeze coming through uh, in my mm-hmm. special, um, you know, conversation studio, aka my garage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, is that what you're saying? Just to be mindful about what's happening from an external point of view, or are you talking about more the internal stuff, or is it both? I think it's both. I think that, you know, sort of from a very general standpoint, absolutely what you're observing right now Mm -hmm. is a form of mindfulness. Um, I think that it can be practiced in many ways. And that's perhaps what starts to differentiate it from meditation, which we may dip into Mm. later. Um, So, yeah, for sure. Being aware via your senses, what is happening around you. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, noticing the breath. Mm -hmm. So students of mine will be familiar with coming into class and I will invite them to perhaps observe how they're breathing without making any changes to it. So Mm. is the breath long, short, deep, shallow? Um, Is there a quality to it that you can give? You know, does it feel smooth? Mm -hmm. Is it a little jagged? 
you know, did you run into the studio at the last minute and you're catching your breath? Mm -hmm. um, this would be, you know, sort of a simple way of starting to practice it. Um, but it can be putting your phone down when you decide to eat your lunch mm -hmm. and focusing on the food. You know, where did it come from? Who made it? Textures, smells, tastes. Okay. Um, yep. There are many, many ways of practicing it, but I think that whatever you apply it to, it still keeps coming back to the idea of observation, sure. of noticing exactly what is happening. So whether you're eating, whether you're talking to somebody, whether you're listening to a piece of music, whether you're yep. walking, mm -hmm. um, can you bring your focus onto um, that single activity, that action or um, the person that you're with? Yeah. So it's more at a physiological body level or does it go deeper into like emotions and thoughts as well? Yeah, for sure. Like, so if you sit, uh, you know, sort of with the breath, then you might start to notice that there is a sense of irritation or ease uh, or anxiety, tension, mm -hmm. uh, relaxation. So this is where sort of our more subtler uh, senses will start to um, be noticed. But yeah. I do think that um, at the beginning, it's more physiological. And then right. as you begin to stay with the practice for a little bit longer, you can start to get into those more subtle elements. Sure. Uh, noticing emotions, noticing feelings, noticing ideas that are arising in this moment um, are definitely, you know, something that is related to mindfulness. And sure. this is where we start to see a little bit of crossover with meditation as well. Mm -hmm. So let's go there. Um, tell us a bit okay. about meditation the similarities, the differences, how they kind of overlap? Sure. So if we sort of go back to that very simplistic way of looking at mindfulness as being in the present moment um, of observing what's happening right now, yeah. um, then perhaps we can apply it to anything, sure. right? Brushing my teeth, yeah. putting my shoes on, stepping out into the street. Mm -hmm. For me personally, the idea of meditation is somewhat a little more formal, right. a little more structured. Yeah. Um, I typically would think that meditation um, might take a seated form. Okay. Um, and there are many, many styles of meditation. Mm -hmm. So you can meditate through sound, yeah. through mantra and chanting, through yeah. silence. Um, and there are, you know, walking and moving meditations as well. Mm. Um, but there is this sense of structure right. um, and of perhaps a lineage or a school of thought being behind it. Okay. So there will have been a teacher who has passed this on, you know, and then other people are sharing those methodologies with them. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, there is always mindfulness involved in meditation, Yep. but there's not necessarily meditation involved in mindfulness. Okay. So if that would, makes sense. would a, a blunt way of adding to that be, would it be safe to say that you can be mindful, you can practice mindfulness in a busy, loud um you know crowded place whereas mm -hmm. it, you can't necessarily practice meditation in that kind of a busy place that's kind of like a an element of taking your, yourself away from the noise for meditation yeah i think it's certainly harder to meditate mm -hmm. in a busy place so okay. i think that um yes absolutely you can practice mindfulness anywhere and everywhere mm -hmm. i think depending on your meditation practice that will determine whether or not you can meditate um, in a crowded space. Okay. Uh, I know of one fellow teacher um, who got stuck on the subway in New York and she did decide to sit and meditate and I have to take my 
hat off to her because <laughs> I don't know if that's something I would have been able to do in that situation. Sure. Um, so yeah, definitely more challenging to meditate in a busy um, scenario. Okay. I feel like we can go even deeper on the, on just that one question alone. Um, but I guess many of us tuning in right now, we may be brand new to mindfulness or we may mm -hmm. not know what it is. So thank you for that initial um, summary of it. But how would someone like me or you know people who are watching, if they're brand new to this, where do we begin? Uh, maybe like a, is there like a three-step process to kind of follow or like a, I don't know, 10-step process or... Yeah, I mean, I think sort of um, sometimes we set a lot of expectations on these practices mm. so that we're going to be able to pick up mindfulness and life is suddenly become, you know, going to become breezy. Mm. Um, I think the first thing before we start anything like that is to accept that it is a process yep. um, and that no two person's way is going to be the same. Sure. Yeah, so people can approach it in different ways. I think if you are new to the practice, the first thing you need is the interest. interest so right. the actual, you know, sort of inclination to start exploring that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think starting simple and small is best, even to the point where you think it's too easy. Mm -hmm. So for example, something like putting your phone away, switching the television off, not having a book in front of you when you eat your meal, right. and thinking very clearly about what it is that you're eating and how many ways can you experience that food through the senses? Mm -hmm. um, can you sort of trace the food and where it came from? You know, I think, and I include myself in this, it's quite natural for us to be eating lunch, drafting an email in our head, sure. responding to a WhatsApp message mm. while listening to a podcast. You know, I right. think that it's really um, quite common. And for those of us living in big cities, even more so where mm. there's this, constant need for us to be rushing from place to place mm. um, and the idea of efficiency and productivity always taking precedence mm. so starting really small um, paying attention to either a meal that you're eating um, putting your phone away when you walk around the street and just mm -hmm. letting your arms sort of hang free and actually notice the steps that you're taking notice the scenery that you're passing um, if you take public transport mm -hmm. you know sitting on the train or bus and actually you know, being observant of what's happening around you. Sure. Chances are you'll see a lot of people's head dip down towards their phones, mm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be you. You know, these can be easy ways of bringing mindfulness into your practice. Mm -hmm. And perhaps another one would be to be mindful with the words that we're using. So actually being mindful of the language, whether mm. it's through our thoughts, so the language that we're using with ourselves, um, or with the language that we're using with others. Mm -hmm. um, the very simple concept of thinking before you speak, mm. to me, is an act yeah. of mindfulness. Yeah, because just from your explanation and your, um, your elaboration on mindfulness, I, in my mind, I'm thinking there's quite a bit of overlap with um, one of the modules that I teach around emotional intelligence, uh, and that mm. kind of branches off into you know, this, this sub-theme of fixed mindsets and growth mindsets and i'll explain a bit why a, a bit more on why because th this idea of emotional intelligence is this sense uh the capacity that we that we're aware uh and we're aware of our own emotions and also we're kind of our radar is out to kind of have a bit of a feel of the emotions of those around us meaning mm -hmm. that uh, we're not just saying and doing and uh, reacting as to how uh, we want, but we're just mindful mm -hmm. 
to use again that word we're just mm-hmm. mindful mm-hmm. of how what we say what we do how we react will impact those around us as well and this has many many benefits um uh, career success um, you know all of us who have worked in the corporate world know that uh, it's just part of part and parcel of that world to be able to play well with others if i can just mm-hmm. kind of shrink down that experience yes um and even things like um, uh, how that is linked to growth and fixed mindsets. So this is mm-hmm. in the space of um, neuroplasticity and how studies have shown that uh, our brain is like a muscle and the more we use it, yes. the more we train it, we can train our, our train of thought. For example, yes. some of us in the, in, who are naturally um, of the fixed mindset category, we might be thinking... Uh, I don't like challenges. I don't mm. like feedback. I have a, a belief system where I think that talent and skill is fixed. Um, we say things like, I can't do this. Whereas on the other side, the growth mindsets are people who say, I'm open to challenges. Give mm-hmm. me as much feedback as possible because I want to grow and learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And a belief system is, that is kind of geared towards um, talent and skill can be developed and we don't say things like I can't do this but we say things like I, ca- I can't do this dot 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 yet so, it, yet. so I'm already yet. kind of seeing a little bit of overlap in that space of emotional intelligence and mindfulness yeah I agree I think that uh, right now the idea of mindfulness mm. and wellness um, they're all really hot topics yeah I think sometimes they become a little tarnished because mm. the terms can get thrown around quite yeah. lightly. Mm. And I don't mean to say that we need to take everything really seriously, but sometimes they start to lose their significance. They start to lose their meaning because sure. now that they've become on vogue, um, people are perhaps commodifying it, you know, and sort of trying to make a profit um, from selling sure. off either services or products that um, that sort of appeal to people who are looking for that. But I do agree that um, sort of, you know, the whole growth and fixed mindset mm. um, definitely ties in with that. Mm. I think that they're complementary to one another. Mm. So I think that the more you are able to practice mindfulness, the easier that's going to be for you to yeah. have a growth mindset mm. because yeah. you are more aware of what's happening and you're not passing judgment. So instead of thinking, you know, sort of you are doing poorly at something, you're able to recognize where you are in that moment, mm. i.e. practicing mindfulness, mm. and from there learn and grow, i.e. growth mindset. Mm. So I definitely think that the two are complementary. Mm. And can sure. you kind of speak into, I guess, the, I mean, I hate to kind of use that word, but the benefits of mindfulness at a few, I've, I've kind of phrased it around three different le- uh, levels and they might even mm-hmm. in, um, overlap at a personal level, at a professional level, and also for those who are watching who may be athletes or in the fitness world, at a fitness level as well. Do you have any thoughts around those, uh, that area of the benefits of mindfulness? Yeah, so first of all, I think that um, the benefits of any mindfulness practice are going to cross into all three of these areas. Mm. Yeah, so they um, are definitely going to benefit you across all platforms. Yeah. Um, but let's sort of go one by one. So mm. I think in the personal um, realm, if you are able to practice mindfulness, I think it leads to an increase in patience, mm-hmm. kindness, uh, compassion, yep. um, and a deeper understanding of others. So being able to build your empathy and we sort of come back to that emotional intelligence mm. there. Um, I feel that uh, if I can use myself as an example, mm. 
the more mindful I've been able to become, the easier it is for me to perhaps quiet certain negative thoughts or anxiety when it comes upon me, or even just the fact that I don't have the same amount of patience as my husband, you know, he's a very relaxed, uh, you know, seems to have naturally been born with that mindfulness, um, (laughs) just uh, geared into him and I've had to really work on it. Um, So, you know, making me a better partner, a better friend, a better colleague, Mm. um, because I am able to spot my own thoughts, my own reactions Mm. to things that are unfolding. And instead of being reactionary, being able to recognize that and work with it Mm -hmm. uh, on whatever levels possible. So I think from that personal aspect, yeah, just building patience, kindness, compassion. Mm. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Vicky, me too. Um, So I think from the work perspective, I mean, you know, I know I just said a lot of people are starting to commodify and and sort of, you know, um, turn it into sort of something commercial. But yeah, for sure, it's definitely going to benefit you in the workspace. Um, I think that if you are able to be aware of what's happening, Mm -hmm. um, you're less likely to make rash decisions. You might be able to analyze situations from more than one perspective. Mm. Um, Again, have a more objective or a better understanding of why other people are coming up with um, ideas or concepts that you may not, you know, sort of feel Mm. strongly um, or positively about. Uh, I think that it's also important to have this practice because I just think that's depending on your workspace, you may or may not be dealing with perhaps office politics Mm. or toxic work environments. Um, I've certainly had, you know, sort of those experiences. um, And I can't handle in those situations, Mm. but even just being able to pause and know that reacting in the moment may not have been um, beneficial for me has probably got me out of hot water on a sure. few occasions. Yeah. Um, so I think definitely benefit beneficial for the, the workspace. Mm. Um, and then for athletes, you know, a few things, um, restorative yoga is really my, um, one of my specialties mm. sort of when it comes to teaching yoga. Mm. And a lot of people say that they are able to become more mindful or mm. build a meditation practice from that. Hold that thought, um, and the Jen. reason I raised, hold that thought. Yeah. Um, tell us a bit more about your yoga origins. How did you get started? Oh. Where, who, why did you fall into it? Was it like, a, did it come naturally to you? Yeah. Uh, okay. And then we'll jump um, back to the, to the question. Sure, uh, sure. We'll, we'll come back to the fitness, fitness uh, yeah. aspect. Um, so I very first tried yoga when I was at university mm. and it was pretty disastrous. It was not a good experience. <laughs> I didn't touch it again for quite some time. Yeah. So my first um, experience, if I can just butt in, I, I, yeah, I was a sure, classic please. student who fell asleep during the I, I forget which pose but i <laughs> i was that student who fell asleep okay back to you <laughs> sure okay yeah so i think we've all been that yeah. student so i wouldn't worry too much about it um but yeah didn't have a great first experience um went to a studio in my sort of last year of uni um, and was quite intimidated by the whole scenario i didn't really understand what was happening mm-hmm. Um, so again, sort of dipped in and out. And then yeah. when I lived in Spain, it was more this sort of let's try and learn a language through doing different activities. Sure. So again, not really serious. It mm. wasn't until I moved to Singapore, which is now about 11 years ago, mm. um, that I actually, you know, sort of became a member of a rather large studio here in the city okay. um, and started exploring the different styles. Um, again, I wasn't so uh, consistent with my practice because sure. around the same time I discovered group exercise, running, CrossFit, 
Um, and I went from being somebody who had hated PE as a child to just trying to do everything all at once, right. which naturally led to injury. <laughs> and this is actually how I got into um, the, the yoga practice on a deeper level. Mm. And I think that a lot of people will resonate with that. They yeah. will have entered it through the idea of rehab. Mm. Um, so I broke my arm quite badly. Mm. Um, and a teacher of mine who I, I had been seeing fairly regularly suggested that I go for these classes that didn't require too much strength through the, the mm. upper body. Okay. And I started doing that as a form of rehabilitation. Okay. Um, once my arm was maybe sort of 80 to 90% recovered, I realized that I still wanted the practice. Right. It wasn't a case of jumping straight back into CrossFit full time or going back to my running. There was something else that was keeping me there. Mm. Um, and I was a little curious as to what that was. Okay. So, you know, with the strength developing, I started exploring other styles. And mm. I think because of my character type, I again sort of went to that extreme end of the scale and started trying to go for more and more advanced classes. Right. Okay. Thankfully, you know, sort of didn't result in any major injuries, but I started to get sort of tweaks here and there. You know, mm. my hip didn't feel great at one point. My knee kind of, you know, sort of uh, wasn't feeling great. Um, and so... Um, I realized that I had this pattern of taking on an interest, right. going full force at it, and then right. somehow having to remove myself from that community, mm. often through injury. Right. And I thought that if yoga is something I want to do long term, then I really need to learn how to monitor that. Yeah. And I actually put this sort of self-imposed rule of not doing too much, mm. um, of actually limiting how much yoga I did right. um, and thinking carefully about the styles that I wanted to practice. Okay. Um, at the time, was and, mindfulness already on the radar or this only came later on? I think later on, okay. to be honest. I mm. think um, initially it was all about the very physical aspect of the practice, sure. feeling stronger, okay. improving my balance, improving my coordination. Um, my arm recovering, you know, everything was sort of about the arm back then and sure. just getting back to being as, as close to 100% as I possibly okay. could be. Okay. Um, my, my surgeon had sort of said that I might not get the use of that arm back. And so I sort of had this steely gaze of mm. uh, proving him wrong, basically. Sure. So <laughs> perhaps not the most yogic uh, way into the yoga practice, okay. um, yeah, but again, it certainly I'm, served I, me well. I view this, I, I listen to this, I kind of process this from the outside looking in. Um, and again, this is kind of me with all these preconceived notions of uh, yoga people. I, I think you call yourself yogis, I, I think. I, no, is that the right term? Yeah, I, I don't, but many people do, yeah. Yeah, yeah of like people yeah. who are like super chill, laid back, big baggy yoga pants. Um, <laughs> you know, and, but I, but, I, but I, yet I know a lot of um, uh, very active professionals as well who yoga is their thing to kind of uh, take a step back from everything and kind of reset um so I, I'm, yeah. I, in my mind there are kind of two you know obviously uh, you know two kinds of people who, some are really chill some who just need to chill mm -hmm. um i yeah. think what you need to sorry no, no go, go ahead um yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, it's slightly comical, sort of. I think what we need to think about is these super chill people that we're seeing in the studios. <laughs> why is it they've come to the yoga? Right. You know, who were they before we met the super chilled person? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people who've come into the practice, either as students or teachers or both. Yeah. Um, and it's often through injury. It's mm. often through high stress situations. 
Um, it's yep. sort of a coping mechanism for many of us. Mm. Um, and I think that you're right. We're almost getting back around to that fitness aspect of, yeah. of a mindfulness practice mm. now. Um, with that second group that you mentioned that need to, ah, as you said, at that outward side, it's down regulation. Mm. We are sort of up here the whole time. Mm. We are constantly on high alert. Yep. If we're thinking in terms of the nervous system, you know, we've got sort of the sympathetic nervous system that fight, flight or freeze. Yep. We've got the parasympathetic nervous system, rest and digest. Um, and we are mostly in sympathetic overdrive, mm. right? Yeah. You wake up, there's probably a loud alarm that did that. You're mm. thinking about showering, brushing your teeth, getting changed, getting out the door on time, eating something, <laughs> making sure you get your coffee. And it doesn't really stop from that point yeah. until you get home and you think, oh, good, you know, I better sleep enough. There's this mm. pressure mm. even to rest sufficiently. Yeah. You know, we're not really bringing ourselves down. Mm. Um, and I think when you when you sort of make that sigh, that sigh is this sort of embodiment of yeah. the need for rest, the sure. need to unwind, um, yeah. to find sort of something calm in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where that second group comes in. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if we tie this back to athletes and fitness folks, because um, in my mind, yeah. again, just feel free to correct me if I'm, if I'm, if I'm way off the mark. I'm thinking just before a big and heavy lift, say like a deadlift, I'm standing there, mm -hmm. the bars in front of me, my hands are like full of chalk. I'm kind of zoning out the noise. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about my posture. Yes. I'm, I'm thinking mm -hmm. about my breathing. I'm thinking about how the, the bar feels in my hand. And then I go for the lift. So that comes to my mind um, when it comes to yes. mindfulness and fitness. Uh, am I on the Absolutely. right track here or am, am I way off? I mean, right, wrong, who's to say? I would totally agree with you on that. Yep. Um, for me, that is a, an act of mindfulness to mm -hmm. be able to be so focused, so concentrated on that lift that you're about to take, mm. to feel the texture of the chalk, to feel the roughness of the bar against the fingers, mm. um, to know the kind of breath that you want to take in order to make that lift, to feel mm. the pressure perhaps of the belt against the body. All of these things suddenly your awareness is increased and you're mm. able to recognize these small details mm. that I'll bet when you were lifting at 50% of that, you probably weren't paying much attention to. Mm. Mm. So absolutely before uh, maybe a, a one rep max, mm. um, competitive athletes. So mm. before competition days, being able to sort of just bring the energy down so mm. that they can focus. Uh, I also think for recovery. Mm. So coming back to that idea of downregulation, being able to allow the body to have that time for growth and mm. repair um, and to regain its immunity um, after working out really hard. Mm. So yeah, sort of at least two pronged benefits mm. to um, I, I think those it's who useful, are in fitness. Use, useful to add in that layer of, because uh, while we, we, we've called this discussion mind over matter, I mean, the matter mm. being in this case, if you use the example of like lifting heavy things, that could represent mm. matter. Uh, it could represent a whole bunch of other things, but I think mm. we, we should say as well that, you know, if you're lifting, I don't know, 60 kgs, if that's your one rep max, if you're going to jump to, say, 100 kgs, um, I, I think it'd be fair to say if you've never gone pu or pushed past 60 kg, it doesn't matter how strong your mind is. There is a physical matter type process to get to that strong point. Um, look, I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I think we've all heard stories about how um, I was in an emergency Adrenaline, adrenaline was rushing through my my veins, and I just became I I I, I took on superhuman strength somehow. So I think we we've all mm. heard those stories, but from a mm. daily practical grind perspective, there is an element of practice, practice, pra practice. You know, preparing and planning. 
that growth um, upswing. Yeah, mm. and, and I think sort of, you know, your example of jumping from 60 to 100 kg on a lift, mm. I think the mindfulness practice there is for you to not go for the 100 kg <laughs> lift, right? You know, I think the mindfulness is also being aware of perhaps what my capacity is today. Mm. That doesn't mean it's my capacity forever. Mm. 60 kg feels good. Maybe 65 is going to feel great. 100 is not a great idea, Jen. So mm. no, you know, we're not going to go for that today. So the mindfulness practice can still be there. Mm. Um, well, what would you say to people who mm. are watching who may have hit a bit of a plateau in their lifting or their, their flexibility or whatever their goals are, like core strength? Because um, there's always going to be, like myself, once I hit about 80 kg, 100 kg, that's my my 80 to 100% uh, range. Mm. And once I go mm. beyond 100 for any of my lifts, my mind plays tricks on me. And I'm like, I cannot do this. <laughs> There's a um, mental block, yes, right? Yeah. Do you have any advice in that space for people who are just trying to get, you know, break through that plateau, Jen? I, Not just I don't lifts, know but if it could it's, be anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's, uh, if it's advice exactly. Um, I, I had this struggle as well uh, when I was crossfitting a lot more regularly. Mm. Um, and I also have the tendency to overthink, which yeah. is why I think I have explored these um, concepts mm. a little more in recent years. Um, something that my friends would do at the box would be to just have me take a little walk. And while I was walking, they pretty much decided the weights for me, you know, so <laughs> I didn't really look and start calculating right. how much is on the bar. It was okay. just walk up to the bar and do it. Yeah. And I'm not saying everybody has to apply that technique, but the idea of not equating mindfulness with overthinking every detail, sure. but being aware of, you know, sort of what is important about this. Am I safe? Am I secure? Okay, I'm going yep. to try this lift. Yep. And to not overanalyze, because I think analysis paralysis, yeah. which is another sort of hot term at the moment, yeah. um, is something that we can start going into if we veer off that mindfulness track and mm. we let it sort of consume us. Mm. Um, so advice for sort of hitting a plateau for me personally, mm -hmm. in recent years, my thing has been to take a step back, mm -hmm. is to actually just press the pause button. Maybe hammering at the same thing over and over again is not working for a reason. Yep. Maybe it's that I need to take a step back and reassess the situation. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need some rest. Mm. Um, I think sometimes those of us who are in regular sort of uh, fitness regimes mm. sort of forget the the value of true rest. I yep. think sometimes, particularly in the CrossFit community, a rest day equates equates to say a cheat day yeah. um, or a bit of maintenance so like, no, like i'm not being day. i'm not being critical of that but how much of that time are you actually resting are you allowing the body to recover yeah. you know are you sort of nourishing it yeah. um and i don't want to preach nutrition here either yeah. but is the quality of the sleep that you're getting yeah. um, sufficient for the kind of lifts that you're doing, I'm for the kind of movements that you're making? Because I'm, I'm kind of learning sure. here as well. I mean, I mean, the terms you're using, like down regulation, uh, flight, mm. fight, freeze, uh, I'm, thinking, I'm kind mm. of taking notes as we go as well. Yep, keep, keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, just this idea of stepping away. Um, I think sometimes we get caught in the thick of it, you know, um, being obsessed with, I mean, CrossFit is such a, a great example, and I'm talking about my own examples here, but becoming obsessed with getting a movement or getting a particular lift yeah. or in yoga, nailing a pose seems mm. to be something that, you know, goes on a lot. Yeah. Um, and I have definitely jumped on that bandwagon before. Yeah. Um, and then just stopping, mm. taking a step back, yeah. finding some quality time to actually rest. Mm. Um, 
and then going back with a fresh outlook. I know I, I feel like what I'm saying is so overly simple, mm. but I think sometimes it's the simplest ideas that mm. we forget about or that we push aside because we consider them mm. too basic. Yeah, I, I mean, mean today, us, for example, some of us mm. may be um, thinking about uh, be it a pose, be it a lift, be it a movement from a uh, quantity point of view versus a quality mm. point of view. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think you need both, you know, to, to, to grow yeah. and to, uh, to you know, reach whatever your, your KPIs are in the gym, at the mm -hmm. box, in the studio. Yeah, you're going, you say. And even in work, you know, if mm. you think about a presentation or a project or mm. a workshop that you might be doing in your workspace, it's the same thing. You don't sort of keep hammering away at something mm. if it's not going anywhere. Mm. You walk away from the desk, you take a break, you come back, you know, maybe that afternoon, maybe a day later, maybe a week later, depending yeah. on your time frame, and you're able to see it mm. so much clearer, you know? So I think just taking a step back is something that we don't do often enough. Yeah. I tried to practice it today myself because I would normally go for a spin class on a Thursday and I'm yeah. not feeling great. <laughs> Um, and there was this oh, part of me yeah. that was like, but you spin on a Thursday yeah. and you know, these things, I mean, these oh, are yeah, a blessing yeah, yeah. and a curse. <laughs> so that little green circle, you oh. know, that I haven't completed cause yeah. my exercise ring isn't ready yet. Yeah. There's this sort of voice in my head saying, you know, how are you going to mm. get that green ring closed? Mm. When in reality I needed rest and I went into the spare room and mm. I got a bunch of blankets and props and I put myself in a few restorative poses. Mm and felt 10 times better. Mm. Am I going to close the exercise yeah. ring today? Maybe all, not, but I feel though, better. I mean, like, again, the, the lazy part of me <laughs> is hearing that and saying, I got to rest every day. I got to get <laughs> restoration every day. So, <laughs> so again, look, uh, folks, if you're watching this and if, you're, if you've got a competition coming up, uh, you know, look, you have to find that balance between between rest, yes. recovery and, you know, pushing because you can't just be resting um, every day of the week if you're going to, if you have a competition, you know, in a month's time. Yes, um, Jen, which look, in I, itself I, is I, also mindfulness. I'm mindful of the time and we've got a whole yes. bunch of questions because mm. I, I feel like we're, we're only kind of scratching the surface. Scratching here, the surface, but, but yeah. I know you said 45 minutes, so I'm mindful of your time. Um, sure. You have a, a time for a few more questions? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, could, we could also yes. do like a part two, like another time as well. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Yeah. yeah look, so, I, so yesterday, uh, some of you who follow me on IG, you may have seen the question box. I said, uh, ask a question and some of, some of the things that came through. Um, I'll read the shorter ones first. Um, are there any suggestions for a, an app for yoga beginners that people can okay, Google so... afterwards? Yeah, so there's a lot out there. Mm -hmm. um, off the top of my head, app or website, you know, sort of, um, you can find Gaia, G-A-I-A. Mm -hmm. They have a lot online. Yeah. Um, I think um, Allo Yoga also mm -hmm. has a lot of online classes. Um, if you're looking more towards meditation, Headspace is proving to be very popular. Mm -hmm. um, for people who are a little more into sort of yoga slash movement, mm -hmm. um, the likes of Jenny Rawlings, Catherine Bruni Young, these are people you can find uh, on Instagram. I'm happy to maybe share some resources mm. after this, mm. um, who also have their own online programs. Yep. Um, so depending on what you're looking for, there's a lot out there. Mm. I might type up a list so that we can put sure. it in print. Mm -hmm. um, but something I would say about following an app or a website or any sort of online training is to make sure that you really resonate with the teacher. Mm. 
So I know that the convenience of an app and a website can often override other mm. needs and mm. priorities. But if you are not, if the teacher's cues are not landing well with you, mm. or even something simple as in a meditation app, if the voice doesn't, you know, sort of reside <laughs> yeah. inside of your head, yeah. you're probably not going to get the benefits yeah. that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, I think that a while ago, way before I got into a more regular yoga practice, mm -hmm. I was using Romwod. Mm -hmm. And I know some people have spoken really highly of Romwod. I could not, I just, I, I couldn't connect with that man's voice. Yeah. It, it, it actually irritated me to a point where I couldn't stay in the poses. I really struggled with it. So find something that resonates with you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if people are not sure and they don't want to necessarily part ways with money beforehand, then mm. I'm happy to have a chat with them and maybe mm. make some more personalized suggestions. Mm. Okay. Uh, the next mm -hmm. question is, there are two which I've combined into one. Uh, one okay. of the questions was around posture and muscle flexibility. Um, have, the okay. question was phrased, have you noticed a change in your posture or benefits to your posture? And then the other question was more around how often do we have to practice flexibility to become flexibility uh, flexible um your okay. quick answer to that big question <laughs> okay um quick answer okay so uh okay remind me of the first part of the question posture. again posture yeah okay so i want to say short answer yes yoga has probably improved my yeah. <laughs> next question no. yeah. so yoga has improved um my posture to some degree yeah. however i haven't treated it uh like an experiment mm. as in there are other factors that have most definitely affected it um i did rolfing a number of years ago and rolfing um gave me such a heightened awareness of where my body was and mm. how i was standing and how i was walking that that definitely played a role um, in improving my posture. I also think that, you know, coming back to mindfulness, um, you know, sort of once you're starting to become more aware of your body in general, mm. it naturally leads towards you becoming more aware of your posture. Mm. Um, and also what is good posture? I think if we're going towards yoga practices that are very alignment focused and that are putting into these, mm. putting us into these almost abnormally straight uh, sort of structures, yeah. then that's not going to be so beneficial either because that's not how the spine was designed to move. Mm, mm. Um, but I would say that, yes, that one of the possible effects of mm. a regular yoga practice might be a better awareness of one's posture mm. so that you can um, yeah. continue to improve it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, from, um, from a background point of view, by my, my base degree uh, when I was in uni, you know, many moons ago, I did physiotherapy. So mm. I have a, a, a very strong awareness in this space of posture and the physiology side of things. Um, look, mm -hmm. that's a long discussion. But again, I, I think yeah. studies have shown that if, if posture, if flexibility, if strength is your goal, the rough rule of thumb is daily practice for at <laughs> least 30 seconds, which doesn't sound like much for um, six weeks. So six weeks, 30 mm, seconds every day. So that's the, those are the rough um, figures in terms of if, you, if whatever your goal is, be it you know, hamstring length, hip flexor length, you know, uh, whatever your you know, mm -hmm. traps, just to relax your traps, just to mm. practice. And, and this ties again back to mindfulness and just to be aware mm -hmm. of your posture. There are, a lot, uh, there are 
a bunch of apps out there which you can set on your phone, your desktop, uh, just to you know, blink every hour to say, you know, uh, relax your shoulders, yes. you know, sit up straight. Yes. Those I've seen things. something you can stick on your back and it buzzes yeah. to remind you to sit up straight. Mm. I'm still undecided as to how I feel about those um, <laughs> things. Mm. I think this is where yeah. we come into the commodification of mindfulness. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we have it within us to be aware of these things. Right. I know that some of us feel we don't have the time, maybe. The next question, yeah. Jen, is uh, mm. th this is a good one. So is it better to practice yoga at the start or at the end of your day? Okay. Especially um, if you're really, really busy. Oh, and this ties into another question. How do you consciously practice mindsets uh, or mindfulness when it's a rough and a busy day? So they kind of, um, you know, overlap. Sure. Okay. So with regards to time of day for practice, um, I want to be a real fence sitter here and say it depends on the objective. Boo. Okay. So what is, <laughs> yeah, I know um, I'm a fence sitter in a lot of situations, sure. but really what is your objective? Is it that you want to feel refreshed and ready mm. to take on the day? Yeah. Is it that you're trying to wind down and relax? Um, is it that you need a bit of a pick me up? Mm. Um, a yoga practice doesn't have to be one hour on the mat. You know, it can be something as simple as five or 10 minutes yep. um, in the morning in order to, you know, sort of get you going. It can be maybe a 20 minute practice in the evening if you tend to have uh, difficulty getting to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love to go into more detail um, in that maybe in a, mm. a future talk mm. or, um, or maybe in some posts that we mm. can follow up with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it depends. I'm really sorry to that, uh, the person who asked that question. Yep. Um, and uh, just remind me of the, the second one um yeah so there were the two i blended was one was mm. practicing mindfulness uh, through a busy day and the other one was is it better to do yoga at the start or at the end of a day yeah okay so i think sort of you know i want to sit on the fence with the start or end it really mm -hmm. depends on what you want to get out of it mm -hmm. but um how to practice mindfulness in busy or more stressful situations i think that's where the real test lies mm -hmm. you know um i think Pausing is one of the greatest things we can do for ourselves mm. is to simply take a pause, yeah. um, whether it's before you react, before you say something, before you even think something, mm. take a breath um, and allow yourself to try and build that patience, that compassion mm. that you're working on through a regular mindfulness practice mm. to try and perhaps empathize, try and place yourself in that other person's shoes or yeah. try to think about you know, how good am I going to feel and for how long, mm. depending on how I react to this situation. Yeah. I, um, my rule I remember of thumb, sort of... My rule of thumb is, um, and it's a very generic rule of thumb, it's the whole 10 second rule. Um, I was once in a talk, mm. um, it, was, mm -hmm. it was more around performance and uh, people management about how to get along with difficult people. And, and the speaker was saying a 10 second rule before you react, before you speak, um, if you can kind of take a step back, count to 10 quickly in your mind how will mm -hmm. this make uh, how will this impact things and i kind of use this yes. very often often with my own kids as well whenever they're yes. throwing things <laughs> running around um do i snap and react or do i noah ava elise i think dot mm. dot dot instead um yeah, yeah. And, and I think very... that, you know, did you notice, you know, with that 10 second rule, it's time for you to pause. It's time for you to take a breath. It's time for you to think, how is this going to mm. pan out mm. if I just allow my immediate reaction to take over? Mm. Um, instead, you know, um, it's it's a case of 
what is it worth? Yeah. What is the worth of this reaction? What is yeah. the value of me jumping in? And I am no angel, you know, I'm still a big fan of passive aggressive, your welcomes when uh, people don't thank me for, <laughs> for holding the door yeah. open to them, you know, so yeah. I just want to point out to everybody, I'm not, you know, sort of uh, um, preaching from any sort of pedestal here. Sure. Um, it's, it's a daily practice. And yeah. I think the hardest thing is that we are doing it in these busy days, mm. in these stressful situations. Mm. I think a lot of us consider the yogi in the cave as somebody that we can admire and think, wow, how do they do it? I mean, I think once you get used to the cold mm. and the hard floor, they probably do it with relative ease because there's not that much happening up there mm. to irritate them. Yeah. It's down here on the ground. It's out there in your workplace. It's on the yeah. subway. Yeah. Um, it is the child that sort of snatches. It is the, the people who are speaking uh, way too loud, you know, mm. sort of into their phones. It's these sort of small irritations yeah. where we are tested, but mm. they're also opportunities. So can we begin to practice mindfulness because we're being presented with so many chances to mm. do so? Yeah. We don't necessarily need to sit and think I'm going to become yeah. more mindful. Yeah. The opportunities are there out in front of you. Jen, we have pushed past the 45 minute I know. mark. Um, give time for two quick questions or shall we just wrap it up now? Let me just, <laughs> I, I think can... we can do two quick ones. Okay, yeah, um, I'm just look, waiting as, to hear footsteps. As we draw to a close, because I'm, I'm kind of scrolling through all the comments, uh, a lot of people are saying they'd like to see a part two of this, which is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I feel like we just got started. Yeah. I, I actually thought I'd be struggling with 30 minutes, but um, yeah. it, it seems... <laughs> That's not the case. Yeah, I, I told you time flies yeah. when we do these things. Yes. So, yeah, you um, were right. So my, my two you know, closing questions were, I guess, just to bring it back to, to you, like wh what, are your, what are your goals for the next three years? Like, what do you see yourself in the next three years? Okay. Mm. Um, so I am not great at thinking long-term. <laughs> um, I struggle with the next few weeks or months. Yeah. Um, but I, all of this that I'm doing is relatively new to me. I was in full-time work up until last May. Mm -hmm. um, I then left my full-time job of eight years and, and sort of my career up until then mm -hmm. of about 14 years, and I went freelance. Mm -hmm. um, so this year has all been about just figuring out what is going on with okay. me yeah. and what kind of balance do I want. Yeah. And I think the next three years is building on that. So um, I've been given a great um, opportunity with Lululemon to be an ambassador, and I really want to use that um, platform mm. to um, work towards making yoga more accessible. Mm. So this is something that also ties in with the mindfulness practice. Mm. I, I also want to quickly get in. Mindfulness is not just about letting things go. Sometimes mindfulness is about increasing your awareness of what's actually going on mm. in the world so that you can take action. Yeah. Um, and I really want to get that um, in there just before, you know, sort of um, we, we close things up. Yeah. Because I think when you're mindful and you are aware of what's happening out there, um, it is then your responsibility within whatever means you have yeah. to do what you can mm. with what you have. Mm. So I think we all have certain privileges. Yeah, we like all, mm. we also are discriminated against depending on whatever sort of, you know, groups we fall into. Yeah. But when we are in that space of privilege, can we be mindful as to who we're passing the mic onto, mm. who we're raising the platform for, mm. what we're doing. Um, and so I think for the next three years, you know, other than, you know, figuring out, you know, sort of where I am with this freelance life, mm. whatever I can do with the yoga that I'm teaching, I really want to make it um, truly accessible. Mm. I think there's a, there's a hot thing of like yoga for all, it's a hashtag, mm. um, but I, I just don't think people are really 
living that truly. Mm. And I want to see yoga for people with bigger bodies. Mm. I want to see yoga for, you know, um, a multitude of races. I want yoga for people from different socioeconomic yeah. backgrounds. Yeah. I mean, this is a whole other conversation. Mm. Um, but if we're thinking three years, that's what I'm working towards wow. is to just sort of, you know, I mean, I got to pay the bills, right? And I got to eat, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, whatever I can yeah. work towards, towards making yoga truly accessible. Lucky last question, Jen, uh, and be as brief okay. as possible if you want, or as long. Who or what inspires <laughs> you and why? Oh, gosh. Um, okay. So shout let's skip the greats. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Patrick okay. gets a shout in there. But I think, I mean, you know, the big ones are obvious, right? So I, you know, sort of I could go down the path of Maya Angelou and, you mm. know, sort of all of the greats who have inspired me through their writing and their actions. Um, but I want to think more sort of in terms of what I just mentioned with making yoga accessible. Mm. So teachers like Diane Bondi, Sean Haline, mm -hmm. or Haleen, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. Mm -hmm. um, these teachers are really doing the work. Yeah, Michelle Cassandra Johnson, she mm. wrote Skill in Action. If people want to learn more about sort of that, then look up her book. Mm. Um, Manoj Diaz, he's a global ambassador for Lululemon. He's doing a lot with meditation um, and working with men being more vulnerable. Mm. Um, yeah, there's, there are so many people, yeah, um, who are out there doing this work. Yeah. Mm. And recognizing how they can use having been marginalized mm. to bring a practice that is so needed by, um, their peers or, you know, sort of, um, you know, people within the community and at the same time, recognizing their privilege and, mm. and using that, um, to, take that work to towards a, a broader audience mm. yeah so right. yeah i could i could write a list longer than my arm sort of thing <laughs> so yeah lots of inspiration yeah jen this is the longest conversation i've had but it, it, it feels <laughs> like time has just flown by um yes. folks everyone uh, watching along follow jen on instagram at practice with jen um she's a good good follow she uh on all things yoga, mindfulness, and you'll see a lot of uh, podcasts that she's listening to as well, and all, all yeah. kinds of other fun videos as well. Uh, Jen, any closing <laughs> thoughts, any closing thank words you. for those who are watching along? Um, thank you to everybody who has tuned in. I see a lot of familiar uh, names and, mm. and pictures sort of popping up on the feed, so it's yeah. really nice to, to, to see that um, support. Um, but also to just, you know, sort of for us to be kind to ourselves, for us to practice compassion mm. with ourselves first and foremost. I don't think we can take anything um, into the bigger world if we're not um, trying to, you know, work on ourselves first. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully part two. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. Feel like There's lots started. of, I see quite a few requests already. Look, Jen, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. This has been lots of fun. Thank uh, you. We'll talk yeah. more offline. Who knows? We'll, we'll do a part yeah, two let's. soon. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Take care. Okay. So you hit the X button right. right there. I'll stay on okay, for a little cool. bit longer. So we'll see you next time, Jen. Take care. Awesome. See you. Thanks, everybody. Ciao. Bye. There you go. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it useful, enjoyable. I hope it challenged you. I hope it motivated you. I hope it inspired you at some level. Stay tuned for the next IG Live conversation, which I will then convert into a brand new podcast. So, folks, until then, take care and God bless.